the ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Welcome to the latest edition of In the Crease. I am Linda Cohn. Emily Kaplan, of course, has spared a few minutes. She is a woman on the go. And I think we're all wondering, Emily, before we getting into before we get into dissecting this incredible Stanley Cup final matchup, we are blessed as hockey people to have lightning against the avalanche. Uh, how do you do it? When I mean what exactly do you do? I know a professional, you're kicking butt. In every game on ESPN, it's fabulous to watch. But what I'm talking about is, I mean, how many pieces of luggage do you have to carry all the different outfits you have to wear where, you know, we all talk about all oh, the poor Rangers and they were, and we'll get, I'll get my take in a second regarding them and how they never had a day off and they had to play every other day. You also had to play every other day. So how does one do it being on air? Uh, a lot of people ask that question, and I think they need to know the answer. Linda, getting to the hard-hitting questions early. I love it. Um, yeah, well, as we record this, I'm in Chicago. I get 24 hours at home before I head back to Denver. Just for context, since the beginning of the playoffs, I've been home for 36 hours before this, and I spent that 36 hours um, running errands, going to the DMV, getting a new license, going to the bank, whatever. These 24 hours are, everyone's like, oh, go enjoy a cocktail, enjoy Chicago. Or like, no, I'll be running errands like CVS, laundromat, like all of it for these 24 hours. I'm at a two suitcase stage, Linda. I don't care if it's a diva. If you're checking one, you might as well check two. So one suitcase is a little smaller. It's shoes and cosmetics. The other is pure clothing. Um, I had to supplement with Rent the Runway the last couple of weeks. Um, you get four items that you can pick just because I wanted to introduce some new things. But as I'm picking for the finals here, like I kept wanting to get different, unique looks. Like it was just a cool opportunity for me to show off my own style and all of that. Now I'm like, man, I got to pick out the hits. Like this is the final. So like if there was an outfit I had in the second round and I thought it was cute, I'm like, ah, maybe it's time to bring that back. So um, I'm in the stage of selecting right now, right? When we hang up, I'm going to pick out my seven outfits. It's very hard though. Like how do you pick for game seven? What if it only goes six? And I've got a pretty great, outfit that I wanted to wear for the final game and I'll have that eternal struggle when we get to game six. Okay, good. Now the world is happy. They've gotten all the answers from you. And that was very important. All right, let's get to the heart of the matter. No, no, wait. there's more. Wait, there's, there's more. more. We have to share it to this to the listeners. Linda, I got to see you recently and I want to share the story because it was so good. So as you guys know, and you heard in the last podcast, Linda was going to go to New York to watch the New York Rangers playoff game. What was that game five? Game two. Game two, game two, sorry. The life the life of Emily is a blur. What are games? What are days? They won because I'm walking down the street, going to go to the ring for a TV hit or morning skate, and all of a sudden I see at the end of my block, Linda Cohn taking a selfie with what I believe to be fans because obviously fans would just stop Linda on the street. So I do my little cheeky like, is that the famous Linda Cohn? <laughs> and sure enough, do you want to share who you were actually taking selfies with? Yeah. Uh, first of all, okay. I love it. When I found that you were walking on the street and I heard my voice, I'm like, again, this was not, uh, this is the biggest city in the world. And we happened to run into each other on the same half block, the same block. I mean, let, let's just kind of let that settle in for a second. All right. That's the first shocker. Second thing is, yes. I mean, I came across the country with my brother, uh, Dr. Howard Cohn, Howie, and we were there and we, we made sure we maximized, speaking of 36 hours and getting everything in. I was only in New York 36 hours with my brother. And so we had to see 
with love, my older sister, Eileen. So that's who I was taking the selfie with. We were meeting for bagels because let's face it, I miss great bagels. I live in LA right now and there is none. So Liberty Bagels, amazing. Uh, if anyone's in New York, and I'm sure Emily knows it because she her hotel was right down the block. And that's why I was taking a selfie with as I sat outside on a beautiful New York City day, right before, hours before game time. And it was just so much fun. Anything else you want to share besides the fact that I was banging on the glass? No, yes. you gave away the, you gave away the punchline because my other favorite aspect is it's the end of the third period. I always come down to the Rangers bench. I think I was interviewing Capo Caco that game. I'm standing there waiting. It gets close. I think um, the Lightning scored a goal. They, they pulled Vasilevsky. They're knocking. They're down a goal. And then all of a sudden, there's a fan banging on the glass. And I hear Emily. And I turn. And there is Linda freaking banging on the glass right in front of Shesterkin. And I'm like, this is too perfect. I'm just glad you witnessed it. I've had a lot of strangers witness it. And they're like, Oh yeah, Linda is a Ranger fan. That's right. That proves it. Wearing my little Ranger cap. I mean, it was. I have questions though, because I know you bought tickets, and I'm guessing, I'm guessing you didn't shell out the like eight thousand dollars for glass tickets. So how did you end up there? Yeah. Um, thank you know after you wrap your head around of like having tickets, and you know I was in the two hundred section. Um, you know I had uh, someone who I won't mention got me down to the said, hey, come down to the Delta Lounge which is ice level after the first period. And I was assuming I was going to go back, but then uh, um, th this person I know had other friends and those other friends positioned us. Uh, you don't have to go back. If you want to stand the rest of the game, you can hang out right here because it's going to clear out and you won't be in anyone's way. And it was literally like uh, peripheral to the, the goal, right? On one side. So I got to see being a former goalie, Emily, if you want to talk objective for a second, it was really cool to see first in the second period, Andre Vasilevsky down there. Um, right. And then in the third period, when the lightning were coming on strong, trying to tie it up in the final seconds, then I watched Igor Shesterkin at work. And that's how I got down there. And literally, Emily, I didn't move from that spot. Amazing. It was amazing. All right. All right, P Rangers. I'm glad you got to see a win. I'll agree. They exceeded all expectations. Yeah. The rebuild is over. The kids have arrived. Paco, we'll see what happens with his future. Um, by the way, I don't have any issue with Gerard Gallant's really quick answer to me when I asked him of an under six minute timeout, um, why he made those lineup decisions. One, I had to ask it. It's my job. That's all anyone watching the game wanted to know. Two, I understand that's not necessarily the time when guy like Gerard Gallant wants to divulge. He said, nope, I moved on. Um, I, I got a little offended, though, when I saw some people tweet like, oh, if it was anyone other than Emily Kaplan asking that question, Gerard would have answered. No, he didn't answer a postgame. And two, Gerard and I actually have a really good relationship. Um, he's always really pleasant to be around. He was really lovely to cover. Um, he just doesn't give much to any media. And I don't think he gave much to me all series. I don't think he gave much to anyone all series. But he always does it in such a pleasant way. And that's why he is who he is. Um, you can't force yeah. guys to all be John Cooper. yeah. I know. I'm glad you addressed that. I want to talk about that. As a matter of fact, two issues. First with you, I, I listen, you have a lot of guts. I, I, if it was me, I wouldn't, I would have asked it, but not the first question. So kudos to you on that. Uh, second, the world wants to know, have, did the race seem like the last few games, uh, unlike John Cooper and the lightning, they said, we don't want Emily Kaplan behind the bench. Cause I noticed the last couple of games, you had the headsets, of course, good for you. You didn't have to wear the mask. But that's when you were doing your interview of Gallant. You want to share with that? Did the Rangers actually say we don't want it? 
actually I'd never done a bench interview with Gallant. Um, and like these things are so above my pay grade and out of my control. It's negotiated between my producers, the league and the team. Some, um, there's some building accessibility for some teams of like me being able to get onto the bench for the visitor or whatever for Gallant. Um, for whatever reason, Gallant has always preferred to do the headset. And um, honestly, like there's some coaches that we fought to do, like Rod Brennamore is like, well, if he's doing the headset, I have to do it behind the bench. Right. Um, and we honestly said, we think you're better in the moment when you're behind the bench, when you're emotional. Sort of like sense. Cooper and, was. Sort of like Cooper was with you. Exactly. You know? And I honestly think the land would be too. The Rangers are sometimes difficult to deal with. And they were adamant of doing the headset the whole time. And we abided. Right. Other thing, let's get back to Capo Caco. Um, not that I've ever been a huge fan of Capo Caco. I know the kid line and what they've done. And he had two moments in the postseason. One, a terrific pass. Uh, that led to a goal and won an actual goal. Um, but uh, I did have a problem with that. I, I was like, now is not the time to break up the kid line. They actually, for the most part, led by Alexei Lafreniere, actually, who I was very impressed with. Um, when you asked me who, what Rangers really kind of blew my mind because I really didn't think they could go next level. I, I love Alexei Lafreniere and what the job he did, but Capo Caco should have been playing um, in game six. Um, I'm not saying he would have been a difference maker, but it sort of shakes up your team a little bit to put in a guy who hadn't played it for 16 games and Dryden Hunt. No offense to him. I know why Gallant did it. He wanted more speed, Hunt's quicker kind of player, and he wanted to find lightning in a bottle. It didn't happen. And this tells me a lot about a former second overall pick uh, who's, uh, um, it, you know, who could be signed to offer sheets. He's an RFA. I don't I think the I think he's played his last game with the New York Rangers. I don't think this particular coaching staff and management uh, staff is our big fans of this guy. And uh, I, the other problem, I had a bigger problem, honestly, with why was Ryan Strome playing, Emily? Uh, this guy, it's not like he's Braden Point, okay? This guy was not contributing in the entire postseason, you know, at least on the scoreboard, um, as a top six forward. He's a great kid. He's a great guy, Emily. Um, but I think I speak for most Ranger fans. He was obviously not 100%. That's almost selfish. You know, sometimes players um, think they're being unselfish by powering through injury. But if they're not 100%, they are being selfish because you want to put in a healthier guy, a guy that can really, you know, be give all in. And all due respect to Ryan Strom, he obviously wasn't healthy. And then the Rangers were down to forward in this must-win game. And that's actually a really interesting point because I think we've glorified so much of the warrior culture, especially in the playoffs, you guys battling through it. And it's admirable in a lot of senses, but you're right. Like if you can't, if someone else behind you is healthy and, and can give your team a better shot, um, that, that's an interesting conversation to have. But the hockey culture is just so steeped in that warrior battle through it mentality. Like I'm yeah. forgetting reform anytime soon. Um, only thing I want to say on Kako is if it doesn't work out for the, the Rangers, it's not for a lack of his effort or trying. I just, I really enjoyed getting to w be around him and, and know him a little bit the last few weeks. Um, every time he did an interview, he tried so hard to find the right words and articulate. Yeah. And it was a struggle for him the first couple of years. And he went through it and, and he wants to be so much better. And, and you can just see it in him. Um, and, you know, I actually did see him in game six. Um, it was while I was walking through the hallway. I think it was between the second period. He was in a suit. He clearly came down for a meeting. And he gave me this a nice smile and said, moi, moi, which is hey and, and finish. And I just, if that was the last time I saw him as a ranger, like it was just a positive memory of a kid who just, you know, has dealt different circumstances, tried to make best of it. And we'll see what his opportunity lies next year. But okay, 
the Rangers are done. Yeah, he's uh, and he, by the way, he's only 21. And whatever team he ends up with, he's going to make them, you know, happy. I just don't think he. <laughs> My other favorite moment about Kako this year was one time I was standing on the glass during warmups, and these people came up to me, and they were just really funky, artsy people, and they look like nobody that would be friends with hockey players. And they were like, "Oh yeah, like who are you here with?" I'm like, "I'm at ESPN." They're like. Oh, we're friends of Capo Caco. And I was like, what? <laughs> How did you become friends with Capo Caco? It was this girl with like a nose ring and this big afro. She's like, oh yeah, well, like I own a jewelry store in Westchester and he came in once and then we became friends and he like gets them tickets to come. And I just thought that was so cool of him embracing being a New Yorker and, and meeting new people. And I just thought that was fun. No, I, I- Absolutely. Listen, you know, what's great. I mean, we as fans and everybody knows, like, I'm, you know, that's kind of like part of my DNA is, but as I mentioned, when I talked about Ryan Strong, they're all great. They're hockey players, right? It's not like, you know, we're not, you know, to me, you know, you know, and again, I know whatever I was the fan when I tweeted out a picture of an easy tap and that Strong missed in game five, that would have changed everything. And given the Rangers a two to one lead with six minutes left in regulation. Uh, and then of course, you know, the lightning went on to win, but maybe he makes that tap in if his body's fully healthy. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just unbelievable how, and, and then, you know, that was it. That's when I knew they lost, you know, it, it's just, it's sad, but Let's turn our attention now to these this great team known as the two-time defending ch- champ Stanley Cup um, champion Tampa Bay Lightning. And I can't, I mean, you saw it firsthand. I saw it for, you know, one game in the series, but I know all about this team. I, you know, I sat down with interviews with um, Steven Stamkos um, during the All-Star game in July. And, you know, can I share a little story about that, Emily? Because you were yeah. in the room, you were doing doing due diligence and this really bothers me, and I, I hope Stephen remembers this because I sure do, and I'll never forget it. I remember I had just started a sit-down interview at the All-Star Game with Stephen Stamkos talking about the mission to win a third straight Stanley Cup and what it meant for him, what it meant for this team, and why they're still hungry to make it happen. We were literally maybe 90 seconds into the sit-down interview when my producer, not his fault, but was like, oh, we have to stop the interview. And I thought, oh, what happened? Somebody's mic is not working. The camera is not this. Oh, no. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl were outside the interview door, and they only had a short window of opportunity to sit down and get these interviews done. Can I tell you something? A, I was embarrassed, but B, I tried to tell Stephen, like, and and he was like, it's okay, Linda. It's all right. I totally get it with a wide grin and smile on his face, you know, totally understood what it was about and how TV works. And and also, you know, he's a, a wanted man as well when people want to talk to him, but he was just so gracious. And he just added another chapter Every time I see him, and then I saw him later at a, you know, at a game out here out West uh, when they were in town. And, you know, we spoke about, again, the mission. Um, We'll get to our picks in a second, but I wanted to share that story about how great he's just, to me, I just love that guy. Doesn't that remind you of what he said on our podcast a couple, probably weeks ago now, maybe months, where he was like, this is the two-time defending champs. They're going for history in third, and yet they still feel disrespected like because they're a small market team in warm weather, that they don't get that natural, national attention that 
that maybe we aren't like buying into them as much as we really should. Um, and I think now they're getting their due, especially as they go for three. But I, I feel like that's so indicative that one story you shared of like, maybe just the disrespect that we are giving the lightning because what they're doing is insane. And like, I think yeah. the fact that they'd had two of these Stanley Cups in pandemic affected season makes yeah. it even harder. I know some people are like, oh, it wasn't a full season. I think it's more challenging. I really do. Absolutely. You're on point, Emily, because after the loss again, after the Rangers lost to Lightning, that was one of the tweets I put out there. I mean, congrats to Lightning winning a third, we re, reaching a third straight Stanley Cup final period, considering the conditions they were in, the COVID, the bubble, the condensed schedule, you name it. I mean, agreed with you on that. And speaking of lack of respect, the odds makers in Vegas also continuing to give them lack of respect because the Colorado Avalanche are the team that is favored in this Stanley Cup final. Not heavy favorites, but they are favored. Last I looked, it was minus 200, and then, you know, the Lightning were plus 175. Um, so still lack of respect when it comes to betting on hockey as well. But when um, we talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, and now here's, let's get into, let's just dissect it. Before the season, not before the postseason, before the season, I picked the Colorado Avalanche to win the Stanley Cup. I was one of the few that didn't pick them the year before, but I picked them to win this year. I picked the Lightning the year before, and they made me look like a genius. But I picked the Avalanche this year before the season started. I'm not a fraud. I'm going to stick with the Avalanche, but I do so reluctantly. I think the Avalanche will win in seven, but I, the reason why I do so reluctantly, and I want to get your take, I do so, number one, because the goaltending. Andre Vasilevsky was only needed later in the Rangers series to make quality and timely saves less than a handful. That's all he had to make. Obviously, he'll be called upon much often against Colorado, but I'm not a big fan of the Avalanche netminders, Darcy Kemper and Pavel Francouz. In fact, I think they might have Kemper will probably start game one. You'll know, you can talk to us about that as well. Um, and he deserves to because he was the number one throughout the regular season. But that's number one, why my pick for the Avalanche winning the cup, I feel a little edgy, you know, a little unsteady. The second reason is the amount of experience uh, in playoffs. The Lightning obviously have. They have over 200 playoff games experience on their roster compared to just 20 something on the Avalanche. I'd have much more confidence in the Avalanche if I knew when Nazem Kadri, if and when, is coming back to the avalanche. But right now, Emily, sticking with the avalanche, picking them in seven, but I don't feel 100% about my pick. I'm like you, I've got to stick with my preseason pick. Now I'm going to pat myself back on a little because before the season, I picked the abs over the lightning in the final. I Very can't impressive. pat myself on the back too hard because I think they were the betting favorites to get there. So, <laughs> um, so I'm sticking with it too, but I'm with you. Like there's something, especially being around the lightning the last two weeks, um, the way everyone views them as an offensive team and especially without Braden point, they've had to rely on their defense and their defensive structure clamped down on the Rangers over those last four games in a way that was so impressive. I think if anyone's going to get a star turn out of the Stanley cup final, it's actually going to be Anthony Sorelli because I think we're starting to appreciate yeah. him yep. as one of the best defensive forwards in the league. He did such a good job shutting down some really skilled guys through the first three rounds. And I think he's going to be the one most tasked with getting the McKinnons and just trying to contain him as much as possible. Um, that said, the Az are damn good. 
Kale McCarr somehow is playing better in the postseason than he did the regular season. And how much does that say considering the regular season Kale McCarr had? Yeah, and um, here's the thing. Another reason why I feel not as strong about my avalanche pick that I made like you before the season started, that they will indeed, that they will win the Stanley Cup, uh, is the fact that the road here, the road to get here. Hey, I know they shut down McDavid and Drysaddle, but the Oilers had Mike Smith. There was so many, you know, it's just, it was easy to sweep them. Okay, that's how go- that goaltending matters in the postseason, duh, right? And then Nashville, which they did, you know, I know, I know Colorado only lost two playoff games so far, but Nashville without UC Soros and others, come on. I mean, it wasn't even a fair fight. So the Colorado Avalanche's road to get here, much easier. Sorry, Edmonton, but much easier than what Tampa had to go through. Toronto, okay, coming back from a 3-2 deficit and beating the poor Maple Leafs then sweeping Florida. And just because they swept them, it doesn't mean Florida couldn't attempt to put up a fight and they had some highly skilled offensive players. And then of course the Rangers, a hungry team with the best goalie in the league this year. So um, the road much tougher for the lightning and they're just having the right amount of days off here. This break from the season, uh, the series ending on Saturday and then not starting game one of the cup final till Wednesday. That's perfect for the lightning. Absolutely perfect. The Avalanche, obviously well-documented, a nine-game, nine-day layoff for them. So the Lightning have to pull a New York Rangers. And the Lightning have to get one of these games in Denver, maybe two. Like the Rangers, uh, well, the Rangers did it at home. But my point is the, they need, they, the Lightning have a chance to win game one because of the rust, the Avalanche, and the dust the Avalanche have on them from not playing for nine straight days. Yeah, that was such a, that is so funny because like we get these off the record meetings, right? With the coaches and I got to talk to some players and the lightning are just, I know a couple of people in the organization. Anyway, publicly, they're all like, oh, the nine days off. It's fine. It's fine. And then after we got to like game three or game four privately, they're like, oh yeah, that really did matter. We were not ourselves until midway through game two. Um, that's when they started showing urgency. They stopped turning over the puck. They're able to establish their forecheck and win those puck battles in their own zone. And they were just a different team. So to conclude, I will stick and not be a fraud with my preseason pick. I will stick with the Avalanche. I think Nathan McKinnon will win the con Smythe, but it's going to take them seven games to do it because I do not believe in the Avalanche goaltending. Um, and I think Vasilevsky is going to keep the lightning in this thing and their experience is going to make it a long series, but I'm not going to be shocked, Emily, if it's the lightning winning in six or seven, I'm not talking on two sides of my mouth. I'm just being loyal to my earlier pick and not being a fraud. Your turn. I love it. I also will be loyal and unfraud like um, <laughs> I have the avalanche in seven. I've got Cam McCarr as the Smythe winner. I just think it's his year. Um, and one other thing though, we will see Braden point in the series. Um, that is a fact. He's close to returning at the end of the Rangers series. I think we would have seen him in game seven. So that adds a whole new dynamic, a whole different layer. We'll be covering it all. And Linda, I will see you in Denver. Yes, I will be there for at least games one and two. And we'll see how the rest of it goes. But uh, definitely uh, we will be reunited. So see you Tuesday night, the night before for our big meeting. <laughs> forward to running into you on the street, taking selfies with randos or your siblings. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs>